Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with the University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from Galesburg, Illinois. And we have got a great show for you today, uh, a tail end to our, our series of what new plants we're growing this year. We started with vegetable garden plants. We Last week, we talked about ornamentals. And this week, we're going to talk about sunflowers. Now, these are sunflowers that I think a lot of us uh, on the podcast are going to be growing, um, but maybe also suggestions that you, the listener or viewer, might be interested in in your own um, garden. And so, you know, I'm not doing this by myself. I am joined, as always, by horticulture educator Ken Johnson in Jacksonville. Hey, Ken. Hello, Chris. I'm excited to finally do sunflowers here. But I will say the uh, coming to you from Galesburg is, is throwing me a little bit. It's, it's a little weird, isn't it? <laughs> yep, it's a little weird. Um, yeah, I mean, so so folks who don't know uh, us educators here in in Illinois with the U of I extension, we don't cover counties anymore. We count cover units, and so that that change happened back in 2012. And so it's not nothing new for us, but um, that's why every so often we might be bouncing around to a different office. And so we we cover vast distances and territories of of area, and um, it's not stressful at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness well uh ken i i am not very well prepared for talking about sunflowers and i know i know you do grow quite a lot of sunflowers you even had a demonstration plot of sunflowers in the past but i feel like our uh who we have on today is going to be our, our sunflower guru so we should we should introduce horticulture educator emily swihart up in moline illinois hey emily Hi guys, and Guru is pretty. Uh, that's pretty weighty, but uh, above, I'll do my best. That's above expert, by the oh, way. Yeah. Some sort of queen. That's, oh, yes. oh, there. Now we're now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> she has a badge, I think, that uh, she flashed to me once that has said "Sunflower Police Queen." Back off. Yeah. Anything shiny? Anything shiny? Mm -hmm. I'm. Mm -hmm. Is that pollen care. on your dinner table? Uh, uh, uh. We're a pollen-free nope. sunflower. No. Yep. Uh, we like pollen on sunflowers. I don't want people to think we don't. So pollen is good on sunflowers unless it gets in your chip guacamole. So, yeah. Extra protein. Yeah. Extra protein. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We can talk about the difference so folks know a little little more as to what's happening there because there's there's a difference and it's you should to probably know. explain what we're talking about with sunflowers and guacamole and how they're really we're just making no sense at all. So Emily, help us out with sunflowers. Where do we begin on this, this springboard into the pool of, of yellow sunflowers? Sure. So I think everyone is probably familiar with those bright, oftentimes very large composite you know, blossoms on a single stalk. You get them at the florists. Um, they are the most popular cut flower today. They have been for a couple of decades. Um, they're lovely. Uh, but they've really, over the last couple of years, evolved into kind of this phenomenon of, of flower growing, both from a cut flower standpoint and in, um, you know, an ornamental uh, light. And so before we get into some of the ornamental things, I think what's really neat about sunflowers, and, and I've grown them for years, um, but I, I recently did a whole presentation on um, helianthus species because of what I learned a couple of months ago was that they actually, they have some unique characteristics that while they're beautiful in the garden, I think once you know more about a plant and you can have a deeper appreciation for it. So 
uh, through my research, some of the things I've learned about sunflowers is that they are so everyone you know like eats sunflowers at ball games or you see people eating on those seeds like that's a commercially produced um, product of sunflowers um, but it is the only commercially produced or ag agricultural product that is native to north america um, you know we'll have corn which is native to mexico we have um, wheat which is native to like turkey and um, beans are, are native to um, Mexico and like Peru in sunflowers are native to North America. We have native sunflowers that we can grow and have growing in our, in our prairies, in our, in our landscape. And so I have an affection for them for that reason. Um, the one that the native plant that we have been cultivating for so long is native. It's Helianthus annuus, the annual sunflower. There are perennial sunflowers, which is a whole nother, you know, podcast that we could talk about native um, sunflowers are native plants, but over the course of history, you, uh, I, I, I want to just give like a really quick, really quick overview. Cause I went down yeah. a whole rabbit hole on this, but I just yes. think it's fascinating how things like come back to us, how plants, um, evolve over time. So as a native plant, indigenous uh, people were using it. They were cultivating sunflowers for food for, as a, as a, um, edible resource. It wasn't just ornamental. Maybe they didn't even care for the look of it. I don't know. The records don't indicate that, but it was, it was um, a major part of their diet. When European settlers came to North America, they saw this. They saw this be the um, Helianthus annuus being cultivated, but ignored it. They didn't, they didn't appreciate the value that it had as um, a crop, as a food source. So took it back to Europe, took it back home, as an ornamental and primarily was grown and traded and spread throughout, um, you know, as, as an ornamental. Well, fast forward to about the 1800s, um, the uh, Roman Orthodox Church and the Russian Orthodox Church, who had great power, you know, political power at the time, um, started implementing fasting requirements. And people were required to, to fast, both during Lent um, and in some cases outside of Lent. Well, what this meant was that they couldn't consume much of the fats that they were used to consuming or that they had access to. So dairy fats, butter, lard, um, or um, olive oil. So there's really limited people's diets and then you need fat in your diet for a well-balanced diet to cook, to make things taste good. So through breeding programs, the sunflower became the the oil of choice. And so then in, in uh, the former Soviet Union, in you know, Russia and Ukraine, now the sunflower is a major crop. It's, it's 70 to 80% of the sunflower um, oil that is produced or the crop that is produced is in those regions. Well then making this full circle in about the early, well, 1925-ish, it came back to America. And now it's being grown here. And the production in, in North America really took off um, in about the 1970s and in, in primarily North Dakota and South Dakota, Nebraska, Oklahoma. Um, but I just think it's really interesting how like this, this beautiful flower that we all grow and perhaps we've seen um, fields of as you travel out West um, kind of had that evolution and, and those breeding programs turned it into something that it, it once wasn't or kind of, well, returned to. So 
I, I think sunflowers, like just the history alone is amazing. And then we can certainly, let's talk about some of the breeding and the, the cultivars that are available today because it's just phenomenal. It's phenomenal what they've done. Well, just just some commentary as I listen to the history and I, I love I love history. It is like, it is something when, when people talk about the history of, of any plant, I'm like, you know, I, I feel like we don't even know what, not just the, we know kind of just barely some of the, how this plant has interacted with humans throughout it, its own history. And, um, but I think it's fascinating. Like, you know, just, just think about this as Europeans come in and colonize North America, not only are they wiping out indigenous people, there was also an effort to wipe out a lot of the native flora and oddly enough they would take that flora also over to europe and grow it in their own uh gardens and yards and conservatories and all that and so it, it, united states has kind of rediscovered i think some of its native plant um heritage because for so long and even to this day we still have a lot of pressure from the green industry to do all of these non-native ornamental species that you could plant in Maine, U.S. to like Southern California, U.S., you know, and we could, you could find it anywhere. So I just, just heard you talking, Emily, and I just, that came to mind. I thought that was very interesting. I'm so happy the sunflower has returned <laughs> to the <laughs> landscape. Well, it's that proverbial grass is greener, right? Like, I think we're mm -hmm. always looking for something new, exciting. We just had two podcasts about growing some weird stuff. And, you know, if, you know, you got to imagine, you know, the, um, you, the sunflower arriving in Europe, like it's gorgeous. Of course they would um, want to grow it as an ornamental. Um, but I think that so oftentimes we do pigeonhole um, plants into categories. Now we've got ornamental, we've got crops, we've got, you know, trees or shrubs or, you know, we, we, we like order and sometimes plants are, are multifaceted like the sunflower. And another, and, oh. oh, I was just going to say, and if people are like, well, I don't care that much about sunflower or the, the industrial production of sunflower, like the oil, if you go and look at your favorite bag of chips, yep, more than likely it was cooked in sunflower oil. Um, it's yep. just very, it's much more common commercially than we, than we often think. Yeah, that through that breeding program, most of what they were doing was increasing the oleic oil content, um, which is there's the variety of different types of oils in products. Um, and, and by increasing that content, what it did was it elevated the heat or the smoke point of the sunflower oil, which means you can use it in cooking for higher temperature um, mm -hmm. processes, including frying. I, I, you know, yeah, you look at any of the, like a bag of potato chips and it'll say oils, including, and then it'll list like soybean and it'll say, and, or sunflower. Um, and so that's, that's one of the reasons why. One of the other um, kind of neat things, and, and Ken, you're the one that turned me on to this, this aspect of, of sunflowers. And we'll, we'll get into why some have pollen and some don't, but sunflowers that do have pollen, um, seem to be especially beneficial to um, bumblebees. Ken, do you want to do you want to share what what you learned? Because I love this. I think it's helping with some of the well, the nutrition part of it and then helping with some disease, um, bite disease, disease resistance. 
and stuff. I haven't, some of the papers I sent you, I haven't read yet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so you probably know oh. more about it than I do. Okay. Well, so I can, can you cut that out? For your <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to do that. What I read, and I didn't read it all the way through, even though I told you I would, Ken, I was not able to do that, um, <laughs> is that there's a intestinal parasite that um, interrupts the gut back, the gut uh, microbiome and um, by consuming sunflower pollen, it moves things along faster. And so that therein means that the parasite is not able to do as much damage within the intestinal tract of a bumblebee because it is expelled. They poop it out. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to say that on your podcast. Oh, yes. Insect poop comes up all the time. Okay. Grass. That's the scientific word. Well, yep. Emily, the, there's a statistic that I often, or not a statistic, but a study that I often will will utilize from our very own Kansas State University, because Kansas State, Sunflower State, so, um, but they did study the effectiveness of pollination, com honeybees compared to bumblebees. Um, they used a lot of sunflowers in, in, in comparing the two. What they found was actually as a pair or a, and a partnership, Honeybees and bumblebees were pretty well because honeybees tend to linger on flowers or sunflowers. And then bumblebees come along and say, hey, get out of here. And so then the honeybee goes off and keeps pollinating. Um, and so they say in partnership, they actually work really well together. Um, but you need that bumblebee in there to to, poll to improve pollination services. I've seen um, related studies um, in almonds too with native bee populations. They kind of don't like to, to, they don't play well together. And so, yeah encouraging having a diverse species or diverse mix of bees and pollinators in your landscape is always always going to be a good thing mm -hmm. yep well i guess i i really want to get into some of the cultivars that we have um, available to folks now because i i want to encourage folks to grow sunflowers um one final piece of information that i i stumbled upon which is really what catapulted me into this like whole study of sunflowers was that they are um a a part of a group of plants that are called hyperaccumulators. Um, now these are plants that are able to um, uptake and um, store or handle higher amounts of um, heavy metals within their plant materials or in the in the soil that they are residing. And then they're able to tolerate um, these increased levels of heavy metals without adverse effects. And I just, I think that that's really first an incredible trick that plants are able to do. We don't quite know why some plants are able to do that and others don't. Um, there's some theories about um, it being then put into their um, biomatter and deterring um, predation, particularly like by herbis or um, herbivores or insects. So perhaps there's like a metallic taste to the leaves or it's you know unpalatable for some reason or it causes some adverse you know health effects within um, the animals. But I think it's really, really a fascinating evolution that some plants are able to do. Now, sunflowers, um, in addition to heavy metals, have been able to be used because of this, this feature um, on um, contaminated sites, especially those that have like nuclear contamination. It's been used, um, I was reading some, some studies about it's been used after some of the effects at Chernobyl and at Fukushima. Um, to clean up some of those sites. There's also been, um, it's been used in a 
uh, site cleanup with Detroit um, or with the um, Daimler Chrysler location in Detroit. It's just, it's, it's kind of a new, new use for plants, but I think it's really exciting that plants could be used to help clean up environmental um, contaminants. And so um, more research is definitely needed. Sunflowers are not the only ones that can do it. Um, there are some um, considerations that need to be, you know, taken into account. There's contaminated plant material when you have, you know, nuclear waste um, within plant materials. But, um, you know, I think it's, I just think it's neat. Like, now I won't look at sunflowers the same now that I, um, you know, know this. Um, it was also interesting, and you know, kind of going back to that plant breeding, um, I was reading that the the cleanup at Fukushima was not as successful as it seems to have been at Chernobyl because of the um, type of sunflower that was used. And so perhaps through some breeding programs or some you know, ongoing studies, perhaps this could be um, you know, even more effective in the future. Um, but I just think, you know, I, I don't know. I just think sunflowers are amazing, like just from start to finish, so. I, I have a visual in my head. So last week we talked about poppies and I thought of the World War I battlefields and the poppies popping up in the middle of that awfulness. And then post-nuclear disaster, sunflowers popping up. And Let's the, not get that far. Okay, okay. We're getting a little too dark here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but there's, there is beauty. Nature will, will bring beauty. Um, to all kinds of situations. So that's really interesting and very neat to learn about. So Emily, in, in terms of growing sunflowers, whether we have uranium in our backyard or not. And I um, hope we don't. Hopefully I hope we, we don't. don't. If we do, they might help. But if, if for uh, the backyard homeowner grower, uh, what are some uh, recommended places maybe to, to start? I, I know at least with, with me and kids, can't go wrong with a giant mammoth sunflower. So, but but where do you recommend people start? Well, you know, like with any plant, you need to do an, an assessment of what your needs are, what your site is. So within the available sunflowers, there's annual or perennial. We'd already you know discussed that. I think most people probably want to go with the annual. Um, so let's assume, you know, for the purposes of this conversation, let's assume we're going with annual sunflowers. Well, then you have um, a consideration of branching or non-branching um, cultivars. So branching cultivars are um, cultivars that have more than one flower produced. They often get larger. They spread. Um, the plant just gets larger um, typically than your uh, non-branching. So non-branching um, sunflowers would be your one and done uh, bloom. So it would be like your really tall um, kind of cut flower production quality um, sunflowers. So make a decision if you want, what you want to grow. Um, if you do choose to grow a non-branching sunflower, you would want to consider succession planting. And if you have space for that or allow um, space for succession planting, which means you would plant um, a few seeds or a few plants every week or so. So you would have an ongoing blooming season um, if that's desirable. Uh, we've already mentioned pollen versus pollenless. Um, because it is such a popular cut flower, a lot of breeding has been done to reduce or eliminate uh, the production of pollen on some of the um, cultivars. 
That is because pollen can be really messy when it gets on your table. It can stain clothes. It can stain, um, you know, basically everything it touches. And so um, as an industry, you know, a cut flower industry would like to not have pollen uh, deterring customers. You can grow those in your own landscape too. So, so that's an option. And then there's things like your bloom size and your plant size. So some um, sunflowers are quite small. Uh, they're more designed for a, an edge of a planting area or a container, you know, 18 inches, 24 inches. Um, and they would have relatively small blossoms. The other end of that are your um, very, very large um, sunflowers. So some, the, I've read the world record sunflower is 30 feet in height. Now I don't, 30. I don't, <laughs> yes, I know. I, I don't know that many folks would get a sunflower that, that gets, um, over 20 feet, but some of them, you know, 10, 12 feet can is is quite a large plant. Mm -hmm. So, read read the uh, description is when you're when you're buying sunflowers, and then finally color. So I think, you know, everybody knows that you can get sunflowers in yellow, but um, through breeding programs, there's a whole bunch of different colors now available. Um, and I personally just I love it. I just love what's coming out of um, these breeding programs. So you have um, you still have yellows but they have different shades of yellow. You can get like lemon or you can get a cream yellow or you could get like a really golden, um, you know, bright yellow or orangish yellow. And then there's whites and there's plums and there's multicolored um, blossoms that are, you know, it, it, the variety is immense and it keeps expanding um, from what I've seen with some readers, even like just some wild sunflowers are on the, on the horizon. So something to consider what you want to, what you want to grow. One thing I'll say real quick before we get into some of the, the series and the cultivars is that um, I have heard from a number of different um, sources that the sunflowers that have a red or like a pink color in them, they have that those genetics. When used as a cut flower tend to um, wilt a little faster, like the head will drop um, in, a, in a vase. So you could just wire those. Um, but still worth growing in my opinion. I think they're really stunning. Just know that they don't have as long a vase life. But do you all, have you ever grown some of the new cut flowers? Do you grow sunflowers as cut flowers or? So I will only say the one cut flower. So I've done the big mammoth Russian sunflowers before. Um, but the one that I grew was because it was your favorite color, Emily, orange. And- oh. uh, if you've listened to last week's podcast, you know, that's not necessarily the case, but yeah, I saw this sunflower and it's like an orange sunflower. I have to try this one. And the type was Soria, 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 okay. Soria. Um, if there was a dictionary with yellow, I would put Soria sunflower as the, the definition of the color yellow. It wasn't orange. It was just yellow. I... I feel like I might have gotten either the wrong seed or I just had the wrong growing conditions for that flower color. So I would, by chance, have either of you grown Soria uh, and gotten, instead of an orange sunflower, a yellow sunflower? Or is that normal? Is is it like when we call a purple flower blue? It's just, that's just, it's actually just a different shade of purple. Yeah, I don't think we've grown that one. We have grown some colored ones that say they're this color and it's a lot more muted colors than you see in the catalogs, which I think a lot of times the catalogs get some 
uh, photo editing done to them to make them look a little more vibrant than they really mm -hmm. are. Gotcha. You can do a lot with Photoshop. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, I have never grown an orange sunflower and I, I honestly have never seen one either. Like I, I wonder if that was a bit of marketing, um, but so. they got me. Maybe mm -hmm. I'll add it to the list and try. Yeah. I do Let plan to dedicate a lot more of my garden this year to sunflowers. Um, mostly because through this research and through you're like, oh, I just can't control myself. So. I, I do what, also have what, a question for Ken too. Um, before we jump into cultivars, Ken, what type of sunflowers were you growing in your demonstration plot in Jacksonville? Were those cover crop type sun? Like it was for the purpose of cover cropping or was it for ornamental purposes? Why? So those were all, purpose? those are all ornamental. Okay. Uh, once we had, I'm trying to think now, probably four or five different types from the short to the 12 footers and just kind of stair stepped them. It was just kind of, I have something out there instead of an empty field. Mm -hmm. And and who ate them all? Well, th there was an animal that. So the first year we did it, they were fine. Last year, I think part of it was we had some old seed. So the germination wasn't the best. And then there's a healthy population of groundhogs nearby. Um, I went out one day and everything was cut off at the ground. <laughs> oh. so we did not have a whole lot of sunflowers last year. At our at our Lukeman garden, the year before we had a nice, uh, pretty nice square area, but that was further from the, the creek. So, so I have a vision in my head of a family of groundhogs that set up a stand at the farmers market in Jacksonville selling sunflowers. So, <laughs> pretty much, I made a lot. Made a lot of money that year, Ken. Uh, so Emily, in terms of Thinking about different cultivars of sunflowers, I have a few in mind that I would like to try. I like kind of those darker colored ones, but um, let, let's let's dive into some of those that that maybe you're going to be growing this year that you might recommend. Okay, I um, want to put the caveat that I have not actually grown any of these um, that I'm going to be trying this year. I'm just I'm going um, like I said, I went a little nuts when I was ordering things, and I just said, "Oh, that's neat. Oh, that's neat. Oh, that's neat," and it was just. Mm -hmm. You know, things happen. So, oh yeah. First, yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about seed ordering and all the things that do happen when it comes to seed ordering. I, it just, yeah. I don't know. It's so okay. exciting at this time of year. So, um, my first order of sunflowers uh, was all um, yellows and and whites. So I, I realized I do now have to order some um, of the chocolate or the the red hued. Um, sunflowers. So first, what I have is um, sun-rich summer provenance. And so this is um, supposed to be an early blooming sunflower. It's supposed to produce flowers uh, quite a bit quicker. So I'm excited to see if that's actually true. Um, but these are your just very traditional, um, you know, gold um, ray, kind of dark disc sunflowers. And so um, now I'll say these are um, pollenless and they're the single stem. Most of what I'm growing is going to be single stem and I intend on planting um, a, a number of succession plantings. With most of these, they grow to that about six to eight foot um, height. What I intend on doing is because I have a hard time making decisions about what to plant when I intend on mixing all the seeds together and just letting um, chance take care of the rest. And so, you know, Hopefully I'll get a good mix at each um, bloom bloom time, but maybe not. So 
Um, that's the the Sunridge Summer Provenance. Um, it, like I said, it's it's pollenless. It's a single stem, um, and we'll see. Then, um, kind of mixed within that, what I'm going to put in there is a Procut White Knight and Procut White Light. Struggled to say that, so I'm glad I got that out. Mm -hmm. Now, these are both um, like they look like they're going to be whitish to cream colored um, rays with the discs differing. So that's another consideration folks can look at. And you might notice as you're shopping for sunflowers is that not only are the ray um, petals going to be of different colors or different variations, you can also get the disc. So the center of the flowers can be different colors too. And so um, I'm playing with that this year, which is the white night has that darker center and the uh, white light has um, a lighter greenish yellow um, center. And so I'm excited to kind of have those three mixed together and see kind of what happens. Um, those are also pollenless and single stems. So do you all have anything already purchased or? I, I'll just say those discs that you mentioned, how the color can differ. I, I go back to Rudebeckia, Black-Eyed Susan, and someone showed me the Irish eyes, the green disc, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I'm like, what? What did they do? This is so cool. <laughs> so I would love to see sunflowers with, that, as you described them, uh, growing in your garden with various disc colors. That would be so neat to see. Yeah, but Ken, sounds like you already you already have some of these. Uh, did you order some of these sunflowers? Yeah, so I think we've got uh, 10 that we're doing this year, 10 different types. I think through the years, We've probably done 20, 25 uh, different types. So when we first started, I think it was about four years ago. So we killed off part of our front yard. Um, I throw in a picture right now so people can see. And we kind of stair step it. Uh, so we do the real short or small door types. So they're usually three feet shorter or less. And then we go up to the the three to, to eight foot or so, and then get into the nine, 10, 12. 30 um, foot sunflowers. <laughs> yes. I need to find a 30 one. The biggest we've grown is Pikes Peak, which can get 12 to 15 feet uh, tall. Um, but the power line coming to our house goes right by this, and it was getting uncomfortably close. <laughs> to, so we won't grow that one anymore. Um, when we started, you know, we a lot of them we did were uh, the single head. So we had some really massive ones, um, but they tend to droop. So you can't really see them all that well. So we've kind of transitioned to more of the, the multiple or the branching because uh, you do get longer bloom because uh, we don't cut them for anything. We just, they're there and the birds and squirrels, um, you know, we've, a couple of years ago, we tried one called Super Snack, uh, which has got good sized seeds um, and we never got any off of there. Uh, the squirrels and birds got everything. So we've, we've pretty much given up on, on harvesting seeds off of them. Um, so the, the shorter one we're going to grow this year is called Sunray Yellow. Uh, it's about 20 inches tall. Uh, it's a yellow flower. Those have about four inch blooms, can produce about 15, 14, 15 flowers on a plant. Um, then we'll kind of stair step up. Uh, Saluna Lemon is one we're going to grow. It's three to four feet tall. It's bright yellow flowers. Uh, again, multiple blooms. Uh, gold and Silver. Uh, which is a gray-green uh, leaf that's kind of felted or soft um, with golden ray flowers and chocolate centers. And that's Helianthus agrophilus, so that's not anus. Um, the rest of these will be Heli Helianthus anus. Um, Italian white, which is about three feet tall, and it's kind of a creamy yellow color with a brown center. 
uh, on it. Uh, we've got Lemon Queen, which gets six feet tall. That's kind of a brown center with Yemen, lemon yellow ray flowers on them. Uh, Evening Sun, which is a red mahogany, red uh, burgundy color. It's a kind of a bicolor blend of all those. And there that gets seven to eight feet tall. Uh, and our last kind of medium sized one is Seneca. It's another um, six to, to eight feet tall. It's a yellow. Um, it's got black, gray, gray striped tan seeds. It's a, a Native American heirloom uh, type that we're growing. Uh, and the, the two big ones we're growing this year is uh, Eric Ericaria. It's 10 to 12 feet tall. It's another heirloom uh, from North Dakota, uh, Native Americans in North Dakota. Um, with this one, it's got a, a lot of times, from what I've read, it has one large, kind of real large head um, that they would use for raw eating, and then it'll send off smaller flower heads, and they would use those seeds to grind up and make a meal um, out of it. And then last one is Kong, and that is 10 to 14 feet tall, again, multiple with yellow flowers. So I think we'll, we'll stair-step that um, up to our house is the plan anyway. That sounds awesome. That sounds so in, really cool. So in our, in our neighborhood, we're known as the, the sunflower house. <laughs> we'll take the dog for a walk and like, oh, you're the people with the sunflowers. Yes. You're the one we reported to the city. <laughs> <laughs> so in the, in, the, in the fall, then we got to come in and have to get a hatchet out uh, for some of these because the, the trunks will get bigger around than my, my forearm on some of them and drag them to the backyard. Yeah, for especially those um, non-branching tall ones, they do put on a lot of biomass for one flower. It's a lot of plant. And it's kind of mind-boggling how big they grow in one year. Yep. So it feels like you could almost watch them grow because they have to grow so fast because they have a real a pretty quick, um, you know, life cycle about a hundred days, you know, to get so so large so quick. It's incredible. This kind of brings the question to my mind about when we talk about growth rate and you talk about how you, where you place the sunflowers in your yard, are there any site conditions, cultural needs when we think about these sunflowers in terms of soil type? Uh, obviously sunflowers, these are going to be full sun plants, uh, but what about fertilizer? Like if we want to get that 30 foot tall sunflower, do we put nitrogen down or uranium drown uh, uh what what chemical elements do we need or or any if any because as you mentioned emily these are native so they are adapted to our climate yeah so sunflowers i think it, they're so popular and so um they're grown so much because they're so easy to grow they are pretty forgiving in terms of um site requirements they don't require a lot of fertilizer um you don't really need, I mean, unless you have really, really poor quality soil, um, a, a fertilizer is not um, not recommended. They do not like wet sites, but they will tolerate um, a little bit of dryness. That's why, you know, North America, or North Dakota, South Dakota, uh, Nebraska, Kansas, um, Oklahoma, all can grow sunflowers pretty well. It's just, it's drier and the soils are um, not quite as, as, um, nutrient rich as you know in Illinois they will grow they will grow very well in Illinois um, but they're they're pretty forgiving in terms of of the soil profile um, yes they do require sun if you have a shade spot there are some perennial 
um, sunflowers that will tolerate um, some shade. So I think that as a species, it's important to remember that there are some options, um, but they do really like that um, full sun. So six to eight hours full sun exposure um, a day. And so um, I think Woodland soil. sunflower, if you yep. are thinking of a part full shade area, edge of the trees or something, woodland sunflower puts on a stunning show towards the end of the year. Yes. Yep, it does. And it, um, I've, I've read where it would tolerate full sun, mm -hmm. not just even like part sun, like full sun. So, mm -hmm. um, but no, they're really forgiving. They're quite, you know, quite wonderful plants to, to try to grow and find a location for in your, in your landscape. Yeah, that's so, about the only thing we do is mulch. Yeah. Um, Cause we, we direct seed ours for a couple of years. We, we started them inside and with transplant, we just didn't have a whole lot of success with them we, we found they did better um, direct seeded so we'll, we mulch everything and kind of scratch out a row direct seed them and then cover them up and that's about it yeah um mulch is a really good recommendation uh they do like to have available moisture in the in the soil because they, i mean they do grow really really fast um having extra moisture would help you um optimize their their growth potential um and can you just mention about like direct seed versus transplants? I've only ever direct seeded. Um, it it is an option uh, to transplant, but I they have such an extensive um, root system that I, I think they transplant hard, um, and so you would want to be um, extra caregiving if you're going to be doing um, some transplants. If predation is a problem, so um, you know the sunflowers are edible, and if if critters are finding your sunflower patch. Um, you can protect it with um, like a caterpillar tunnel or um, some row cover or shade cloth. You know, it's something over top of um, the sunflowers until they get to be, you know, six inches or so um, in size, which happens pretty quick. Uh, and then things pretty well leave them alone. They're, they have pretty coarse um, textured leaves. And I think one of the issues we had with transplanting is they do grow so fast. Um, is that we'd start them and we wouldn't be able to put them out quite yet and they would just get so so leggy um, even though we had them under grow lights they yeah. just didn't do well when we put them out yep and they're so easy to direct seed so um, you know the cut flowers that I, I talked about last week and then you know sunflowers they have really large seeds and so they're easy to see where you put them they're easy for kids to to um, get involved with seeding you know direct seeding in a trench um, put them you know half an inch to an inch in the soil, depending on, you know, the soil texture. And um, you can go back and space them out a little bit more if your kids get a little um, ambitious with planting them, um, you know, in, in too tight of a spacing, but there's no right, there's no up or down to the seeds either. You can just toss them in a trench and they'll, they'll straighten themselves out. And so, um, you know, just a really pretty simple planting process in terms of, of direct seeds. So. Would recommend would recommend folks try that. Um, yeah. I have now, gotten so that the, question. Yeah, Just, go ahead. I've gotten that question. Which side of the seed is the right side to plant up and down? So that yep. good point. There is no up or down for that. They'll straighten themselves out. Yep, they'll figure it out. Just just get them some water and and let them get going. Mm -hmm. um, there, I guess I would also want folks to know that they are. Um, warm season crops like you, you need to make sure that the danger of a heavy frost has passed before um, putting them out 
um, into the landscape or like really protecting them if there's that you know, late season light frost, um, make sure that they get protected so you don't lose your crop. I have a few more species or uh, cultivars if anybody is interested. So well, you said you did multiple, did you say you did multiple orders? So yeah, you did the more yellow, white colored, correct? The first time I did. Now I, what, a, well, we get into some pretty crazy stuff here on the second order, don't we? Yeah. So it was pretty traditional, pretty, I was pretty uh, boring. Um, if I can, I, that's a self that's describing myself. If, if folks really love those, that's fine. But like you said, Chris, like we like to try the, the oddball items. And so the next plants that I, I have ordered. So one is called starburst green burst. Um, and this one has, um, a more, um, more petals than just that singular, um, ray. So it's a bit, um, fluffy, I guess I, is how I would describe it on the interior. Um, and it's got it, they're yellow. This is kind of, it appears to be a pretty traditional bright sunshiny yellow, um, with a green, um, disc. And so I think that that one is going to be kind of fun to see the, the, most exterior petals seem to be long. It kind of reminds me of um, like pale purple cone flower where it's got those kind of long spidery thinner um, petals on the exterior. But then as uh, you approach the center of the flower, it looks there's just shorter petals in, in a tighter cluster. And so um, kind of a fun, you know, unique, unique bloom. Also with that, so taking, so that one's like the middle ground between a traditional sunflower to me and then um, what I want to plant next, which is called Goldie Double. This is like your teddy bear style um, sunflower where they're like really fluffy. Like they have a lot of, um, of interior petals. A lot of that yellow um, is showing. And this one also has green interior, but um, just really fluffy. I don't know how else to describe mm -hmm. it. Just a really, really fun um, you know, flower head. This one has minimal pollen. So I'll just keep that in mind, you know, as I'm harvesting it and, and what I'm doing with it. Um, so it, it's not advertised as being pollen free, but it would have minimum pollen. This one's also branching. I believe the starburst green burst is branching too. So I will have to take that into consideration when I'm planting. I will not be mixing these seeds in with my um, non-branching sunflowers just because of the space that they're going to need to grow. Um, and so I'll be putting those adjacent to the other ones, but looking forward to harvesting some of those really unique sunflowers. And then I have the uh, colors. So I'm gonna try to grow three different um, sunflowers that have some of those red hues. So we'll start with the lightest, palest of them, which is called Strawberry Blonde. Mm -hmm. um, it's described as having ruby red flowers that hold their petals. And so kind of a pinkish, it, it's a bicolor, almost a, a very muted uh, pink on the exterior or on the, the outer petals and then interior kind of a, yeah, like that burgundy or ruby rose, like a, a almost like an heirloom color is, is kind of how it looks to me. So we'll see if that actually um, transpires, but um, these are pollenless and branching as well. And so we'll be put in the branching pile. Um, then I have a pro cut plum. This one might get mixed in with the other ones, um, but it's got some um, uh, right around the disc with some lighter yellow on the exterior of the petals and then a dark a dark disc, um, pollenless and, and single stemmed as well. 
And then finally, um, it's called Shock Olot, which I just love that name. So can <laughs> I can get you some seeds, but um, has a, a much richer coloration than the other two that I was growing. And so it's described as having rich chocolatey blooms um, brushed with gold. And so really looking forward to um, seeing um, how this one does. This one is also branching, um, but it's pollenless. And so um, pretty, pretty excited about that one. And finally, this one, Okay, I did not honestly know how I felt about this one. I'm just going to grow it and we'll see how I how I feel about it in real life. It's called Sun Fill Purple. And the petals are green with some um, gradation into like a purplish hue on the, the tips. And so, and then there's a dark uh, disc. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I will feel about this one when it is um, in bloom, but we're going to give it a shot. I, I'm looking at a picture of it right now and it's it's the plant anatomy sepals yes, that are yeah. on the backside. It's a lot of sepals. There's a yeah. lot of sepals that because uh, the sepals cl enclose that flower bud and they open up and reveal the petals and the disc. And this is all sepals. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. So it's actually, I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, I would, I'm excited to know what you find out this year about it. Sun filled yeah. purple. Pretty cool. I'll report back. Yeah. Um, can you, you went through your list? There's one more that maybe if you all wanted to vote on this one too. So. Yes. Okay. Well, we're not End even going to do the, the gladiator <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down thing. So this one, um. It's called a uh, Hopi black dye sunflower. And now this one I would be growing for the seeds, which is unusual, or it's different than my purpose for the other um, sunflowers that I'm growing. And now this one is a, um, a heritage or a native plant or cultivar. And um, it is described as that the Hopi people, they have used uh, this sunflower to make a dye for cotton wool or basketry. And um, what you would do is you would let the, the seeds ripen and, and harvest those and then get kind of a dark or a purple dye out of it. I don't know if I, if I would be dedicated enough to make the dye. That's my, that's my hang up right there. I would, I, I could grow the flower just fine. It's, it's to follow through on, on creating the dye. So. Do it. I'll get you some yeah. cotton. Oh, Ken, that's a great idea. Okay, we'll do it. Um, again, looking at pictures of it, it still looks really neat. And it's an heirloom, so it'll come mm -hmm. true from seeds. So you have many years to say, I'm going to use this for dye and never, never do it, just yeah. like me. So um, that is really cool. It looks like the seeds might even stain your fingers. Yeah, which I'm I'm okay with. I Yeah. That doesn't bother me at all. I think that would be really, really neat. Super neat. Okay. Um, can I ask a question about if I, does this exist? Are there fragrant sunflowers? I have not come across any, I mean, of course they'll have some level of fragrance. Um, are you asking because you want to grow them for their fragrance or because of attracting pollinators or other? I, I was curious for cut flower inside. Yeah. If there's, I've never 
ever heard of this. So, mm -hmm. but I just wanted to ask, like, do they smell good? Like, it, can they be grown and can they perfume a room? I don't think so, but yeah. I've never seen anything. I mean, they have their own, nope. the foliage and the plants themselves kind of have a, a smell. I don't, I wouldn't say it's not a sort of unpleasant, but I wouldn't say it's, it, it's like you're not good. growing them for that smell. Musky grass smell. Like an earth, yeah. earthy. Yeah. 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 But I haven't seen anything that is advertised as being particularly fragrant. Okay. I was just curious. Um, we have done, you know, we, we did our Soria sunflowers. We cut those and we brought them inside. And, you know, that, you know, when we bring in other things like some of our, uh, you know, our names escaping brain now, um, losing mind. Um, <laughs> Grape hyacinth, that's what I'm trying to say. We have grape hyacinth that sprouts in the spring, and that gives us that spring flavor. I'm trying to think, where is that summer fragrance uh, from sunflowers? So cut all of that out. Makes no sense. So I, that's how you can make your millions, get yourself a fragrant sunflower. Yeah. We'll be yeah. a millionaire in 50 years, yes. Yeah. One thing, they're heliotropic, which is kind of fun. I, I think people will have noticed that this plant, it tracks the sun. Um, the leaves actually do this too. So as we're growing sunflowers and I have never paid that much attention uh, to the leaves, you know, kind of rotating and, and tracking the sun. And they're doing that to, to maximize exposure. Of course, you know, the sun is food, right? For, for plants. And so by orienting their leaves towards the sun, they are better able to um, capture that and do photosynthesis. Now it's super noticeable when you have a, a field or a, a group of sunflowers and they are their head is rotating throughout the day so in the morning it's more eastward and then you come home from work perhaps and now it's you know facing towards the west well that is um it is suspected that this the flowers are doing that as a way of attracting those pollinators of being more visible of being um you know reflecting the sun's light and being brighter essentially and so they can be seen by um, pollinators and, and visited then and completing their life cycle. So I think that's just a fun, I mean, people, I think people know that sunflowers do that, but now uh, we kind of know why. Well, I, I was wondering what to do in this, where I had sweet corn last year, because I don't really, I don't want to do corn again this year with that. So I think it's going to be sunflowers now. It's going to be a big old block of sunflowers um and i have too many to choose from oh my goodness these are a lot of really great suggestions today I, I really do like a lot of what we have gone through so um do we have anything else to add not unless you want to talk about problems oh well we got your we have your gophers uh so ken tell me about those problems <laughs> so the only the only real issue i've had is squirrels birds and um there's a head clipping weevil. In the last several years we've we've gotten, I don't know if it's because we've continuously grown them in the same spot. We're seeing more of those. So well, I would also just say though, like with any any crop, like rotation is best uh, management. And so not planting them in the same location over and over to minimize some of the um, the rot diseases. There's some um, stalk and basil rot that overwinters in plant material mm -hmm. and in the soil and, and verticillium wilt. Uh, there's sunflower cool. rust, but you can't do much much about sunflower rust. You can treat it with a fungicide, but it's usually just a cosmetic um, wind wind transferred um, disease. So, 
And you can't always be known as the sunflower house every year. You got to rotate your crops and practice what you preach. Move it to the other side of the yard. <laughs> and I'll say for the the, the head clipping weevils, I, I've noticed them on the multiple. If you're just doing a single stalk, they're probably not. I'm going to say never, but they're probably going to be less of an issue with that. Uh, what they'll do is they'll feed on that stalk and lay an egg, and you'll your smaller flower will just kind of start dangling. I got pictures we can pop in here of what they look like. It's kind of more of an occasional thing. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a something to be too concerned about, but if you see that popping up, that may be why. Or you've got squirrels or birds getting a little crazy uh, in there when they're eating everything. Now I have a feeling Ken plants sunflowers, not for the beauty, but for the weevils. Yeah. Yep. The weevils well, and the bees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I oh personally goodness. don't care, Ken. You plant them because they're wonderful. <laughs> I don't care what your motivation is. Well, well, very good. Well, that was a lot of great information about sunflowers. Uh, we're this is it. This is the end of the, our, our three episode series on what we're growing this year. Uh, so, Emily, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing with us all the fun sunflowers that you're going to be growing this year. And we look forward to a report in the fall. Oh, I was so happy to join you guys. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to hearing about your sunflowers this year, too, and your rotation between the corn and then Ken, all the bugs that we see on our on our sunflowers. Can't wait. Oh, I'll make sure I label my sunflowers this year so I know what's what. Uh, so we do talk about it in the fall. You can actually provide pictures of what we're talking about instead of uh, this is some sunflower I grew. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Good Run Podcast is a production of University of Illinois Extension. And this week, oh boy, got to jump ahead in time, I think is edited by me, Chris Enroth. Uh, and Ken, thank you very much for, as always, being uh, with us here in Good Growing Podcast uh, and look forward to seeing what you can grow and hopefully the groundhogs don't get too big of a meal this summer off your sunflowers. Hopefully not. We'll have to, we'll have to figure out what we're going to do. Look forward to hearing about your stuff and uh, let's do this again next week. Oh, we shall do this again next week. It's going to be a Garden Bite episode, folks, so look forward to that one. Um, as we get from March or into March, we're in February now. It's about to be March. So, oh my gosh, I'm sweating. I haven't ordered seeds yet. I promise I will very, very soon. So looking forward to that. Well, listeners, thank you for doing what you do best in that is listening or if you're watching this on YouTube, watching. And as always, keep on growing.